This week on the Spivey Special Podcast, we have our guest Anthony Vito, and we are talking about Disneyland food, Lion King, and a gumball, really? Welcome to episode 25 of the Spivey Special Podcast. Trey, we've got another special guest today. Would you like to introduce our guest? No. Okay. <laughs> our, our guest this week is Anthony Vito. He is our Disney expert, air quotes. And uh, Vito, how long have we been friends now? So we met when we were four. And spoiler alert, we're almost 34. I just turned 33, so... 29 years. You turned 34. Did I really? Damn. Because I'm 33 and you're We're going on 30 years of friendship. That's a really long time. It's kind of... That's scary. I don't like that number. Yeah, it kind of sucks. I've known you that long too then. Well, that means... Almost my whole life. Yeah. I was like one. That's a really long time. Yeah, I still remember when we met actually. You didn't even walk, I don't think. Yeah, I was like six. <laughs> Slow learner. <laughs> Always have been. They didn't teach that in the first three years in preschool. All right, well, so we're going to go Disney heavy on this episode, and we'll get to it in a little bit. But Troy, I know there's something that's bothering you with all this coronavirus talk. Just absolutely distraught. Our yearly Reno trip to go watch Madness has been canceled, and I don't even know how to cope with it. It's just so sad. This would have been our sixth year up there. Now we're staying at home, trying to golf, but it's going to rain. It's just like, not good. That's bad. Coronavirus is taking everything away. All the sports are gone. What are we supposed to do? Nothing. There's nothing to do. Yep. <laughs> Maryland was going to make a big run this year, too, I felt. Final four. Yeah, so nothing. were the Kings. They were totally going to make it in oh, the playoffs. The Kings. Yeah, it just really cost us another championship mm-hmm. that dang NBA. Yep. Mm. I was going to win the Players' Championship in golf, and they had to cancel it. The so. Sharks? The nope. Sharks were making a huge Stanley Cup Finals run. Just sucks for that guy in the Players. He shoots, what was that, Makazaka, whatever, shot, shot nine under in the first round. And, nah, we're just going to cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Sucks for him. So we went to Target today. They were all out of, like, everything. But what I noticed, it was it was the beans and the tortillas were out. And I think that's why the toilet paper's gone. Or it's that new triple chalupa thing that I tried. <laughs> Troy, tell us about the chalupa. It is delicious. It's got a. I'm not a big spice guy, so you know the normal chalupa, and then you got the one. I can't remember what sauce is on it. And then there's the same sauce, a little spi- chipotle sauce. So it's a normal chalupa, a chipotle chalupa, and then a chipotle and cheese chalupa all wrapped together. But it's just too long and flimsy to eat as like one. So I had to break it up into thirds. But it was delicious. I mean, it looks fantastic, but it's, it's basically just three chalupas. And they like duct tape them together. It's like three mini chalupas. Oh, they're not even full-size chalupas? Uh, it's close. I mean, it still fits in the $5 box, long ways. Oh, so it's not very big at all. I mean, they have to put a diagonal, put a taco on one side and the cinnamon twist on the other, but it still fit. 
Oh, I was thinking it was way bigger than that. They were like full-size chalupas. Now I'm kind of depressed. Yeah, because you needed that. I needed three of them. All right, well, you want to get talking about Disneyland? I think we need to get started talking about Disneyland. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we are going to come back with Food Court Files. All right, it's time for the Food Court Files. All right, this week for Food Court Files, we'll be talking about food at Disneyland. I've been to Disneyland. It is the happiest place on Earth. Before we get going, Vito, how many times do you think you've been to Disneyland? Days or vacations? Actual times you've stepped into Disneyland. Maybe over a hundred. Okay, not counting just this year. Yes, <laughs> a lot. That is good. A so lot. you, we you... actually just got back from China, Japan, and Hong Kong over last summer. So I've been to all of them except for Paris at this point. Slacker. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> oh my gosh, why do we have this guy on? So you should know the foods at Disneyland pretty good then. I am a picky eater. However, I do know where to eat at Disneyland. I've been to Disneyland a lot of times, but I learned a lot of new things when we went with Vito. We did. We went last summer together. The first thing that I learned is do not go to Disneyland for three days. It is too many days. And don't go with Vito. <laughs> Get better walking shoes if you're going to go with Vito. Who broke a sandal? I, not me. Was it Heather? I think Heather broke her sandal while we were there. Yeah. It, was, it was a long three days. It was. All right. Let's get into our foods. So there's three up front that are just my favorites. And then we'll get a couple other categories and other questions for Vito. And I think everyone can agree on this, except Troy. Troy, how many times have you been? Like once? Yeah, maybe like four or five times. Sarah's only been, Sarah, my wife, last week's guest, she didn't go to Disneyland for her first time until we were together. We were 23 was the first time she ever went to Disneyland. She's only been twice. Weren't you like 16 though, Vito, the first time you went? I was like six. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that number. I went a lot more when I got older. Oh, okay. That would make sense. <laughs> All right. So favorite foods, number one for me, turkey legs. Shocking. Available three places throughout the park. It is single-handedly the worst food for you physically. That can't be true. I am shocked your heart hasn't stopped from eating one of these things. Well, I've eaten multiple of them. I think they cancel each other out. As long as I have an even number, it's safe. Is that what it is? Yeah, I did the math. One of the most traumatizing experiences was watching somebody eat one of these one day when we were just sitting out by uh, the water. And we watched this lady go to town on the one and a half pound turkey leg. And then she stuck the entire thing in her mouth and pretty much it came out as a bone on the other end. If you're going to pay that much for a turkey leg, you better take care of business. It was amazing and disgusting at the same time. Yeah, you were turned on. Cool. I kind of <laughs> want to be friends with this person. All right, number two, and I think anyone that's been to Disneyland can agree with this, and that's churros. No. Number one, they're delicious. Number two, it's like the only affordable thing to get at Disneyland. So my fiance gives me a hard time every time we go because it's pretty much breakfast for me every time we go. And every time I go and the price is now four twenty five or four fifty, I always make the comment, I remember when these churros were only two seventy five. And she goes, I know, you tell me every time, but it does not stop me. 
well, yeah, get a churro every I mean, time. you just turned 33 slash 34. Slash 34. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, churros, they're like one of the most underrated dessert slash apparently breakfast foods there is. I don't know what it is about the Disneyland churros that they're just amazing. I don't know what like they have an extra ingredient. I'd be willing to bet they're worse for you than a turkey leg. They've got to be made of like 100% butter and sugar to be that good compared to your normal churro. Oh, but now they've started making the churros with like peanut butter and chocolate sauce and sprinkles on top of them to make it even better for you. Now, which one of the churros is your favorite of all those? You just like the original? I, if I go, I'm getting the original. They have been coming out with some new ones. There's like a cheesecake one or a pumpkin spice one for, no, rolled in Oreo with chocolate dipping sauce. I did enjoy the peanut butter and chocolate one with the sprinkles. That one was a little bit hard to eat, but was my favorite of the specialty ones. That sounds amazing. All right, number three, something that I get every time that we go after I discovered that it existed, and that is Dole Whip, which you get next to the Tiki 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 room. I am not a Dole Whip fan. Cue the gasps. People love the Dole Whip. I'll have like a bite. I love pineapple. I know that's surprising too if you know me. I do like pineapple. I just don't care for pineapple soft serve and definitely don't like it with pineapple juice around it. Um, But the line is long. Every time you go, people get them and then they eat them while they're singing with the birds in the tiki room. But I am not a Dole Whip fan. Now, the Tiki Room is very... Uh, this is Sidebar, and I like the Sidebar. Tiki Room, that's such a good song. It's so catchy and gets stuck in your head. I like the song where the tikis on the walls actually come alive. It's a little more rhythm going, and then the, the lightning and the rain falls, and you're like, it was 110 degrees outside just a minute ago. Now it's raining. Two of the birds are named Mimi and Gigi, and they sit next to each other in there. Fun fact for you, too. That is good. <laughs> All right, so we're going to break down the food. There's a lot of food in this park. There's probably like a million places to get food. Now, we're just going to talk about just Disneyland. We're not going to go over to California on this episode. Or Florida or Taiwan or wherever else Vito went. Um, So we're just Disneyland. So we're going to break it down by land. So if you're walking around Disneyland, these are some things to check out. Now, it's not necessarily the fanciest food. It might just be a quick snack or something along the lines. But these are your best bang for the buck agreeable that most people would enjoy these things so we're going to start out in tomorrowland vito where would you send us in tomorrowland i personally like the pizza port over by space mountain but not for the pizza i actually go for their pasta dish they actually have like a a pesto pasta with chicken in it it's actually really really good and it's one of the only places that has a fountain for your soda so you can kind of sip off the top and then get some more soda because soda's like, what, $9 or whatever it is at Disneyland. And it's a lot of food. So you don't feel like you've been che- cheated. I mean, it is a plate of pasta with some chicken on it for like 12 bucks, but it's better than paying $12 for a piece of pizza. That's true. Why is it not called Pizza Planet? That seems like a big miss. I think they may have renamed it that. I know they rethemed it, so I'm not too sure on its current name. We don't go back there a lot. There are other places that I prefer to eat, but uh, 
if we're back there or like waiting for a parade, it is one of the easier ones to get in and out. It's more of a cafeteria style serving. So there's no real like line to wait in. So it is one that you can pop in and get in and get out pretty quickly with your food. You can also eat outside and watch the Star Wars show, right? Is that right there? Or am I not thinking of the right spot? You're close, but there is no more Star Wars show. What? Yeah. It got moved to galaxy's edge that would make more sense yeah why would they do that that just seems weird <laughs> why move the star wars people to star wars land that's dumb yeah i, I don't get it either what but did they put there in its place I think it's just an empty stage they do like music performances and like at night they'll have like a band sometimes they got a guy that dresses up like abu and then he does like a rap yeah exactly <laughs> it's right in now <laughs> All right, well, let's move lands. Let's head over to Adventureland. Vito, where are we eating in Adventureland? Bengal barbecue. Get your skewer game on. They got a veggie one for those healthy people. Not me. They have a chicken and a beef, and then there's usually like a specialty one. And uh, it's quick, it's easy, and uh, you can walk and eat it so you're not wasting time. Uh, getting in line for the next uh, attraction that you like I love all foods served on a stick so this yeah. is a good place for me yeah it, it, it is good and they're reasonably priced again you're not breaking the bank get a couple skewers share it and keep moving now in Adventureland where is this Bengal barbecue in relation to some of the things in there right across from the entrance to Indiana Jones as yep. you go past Jungle Cruise Got a Jungle Cruise. That's a great ride. Sorry, sidebar. All right, Zach, where are we heading next? We are going to head to Fantasyland. All right. There's not a whole lot to eat in Fantasyland. However, it's still technically Fantasyland if you go to the big theater where the stage show is. Right outside, I believe you can still get a turkey leg there too, possibly. Jackpot. But there is a big like Bavarian pretzel that you can get cheese dip with. It's not like the Mickey ones that you can get at the pretzel stands. It's like twice as big, and to me, it tastes better. Um, so if we're back there for a snack and to watch the show, we get that and chow down on that. The uh, other place, again, it's related to a show, the smaller theater in the Princesses area. It's like a little tucked away food cart in there, but they have like this cheese and garlic twisted bagel bread thing. I don't know how else to describe it. All I know is that it's like Is that the official name of it? That's the official name of it. You can get a frozen apple juice there too, which is really good on a hot summer day down at Disneyland. So you're going to go to Princess Area and get a frozen apple juice. Correct. Okay. Just make sure I got my notes right here. All right. Is it on a stick? Is it just a popsicle (laughs) and gave it a fancy name? No, it's like a slushy. Oh, okay. That's not what I was thinking. Not me either. That's a partially frozen apple juice. <laughs> yes. All right. Now we're going to go to the new place, Galaxy's Edge. Where am I eating in there? Again, not a whole lot to eat there. Some weird food combinations. But if you want to keep it simple, it's called a Ronto's Roasters. And there's like this new sausage that they put inside of a pita bread with like some kind of peppercorn sauce and like a slaw. It is absolutely incredible. And then we found out on a recent trip that they opened it for breakfast and they take the same base ingredients and put scrambled eggs and melted cheese on top of it. A hundred percent approve. And anytime we're there now in the morning, that is now breakfast every time we go. How is that better for you than a turkey leg? The sodium intake. 
Now, do you eat that for breakfast after you eat your morning churro? Sometimes the churro stands don't open till 10 a.m. So, yes, I will eat this before my breakfast churro. So it's a brunch churro. It's a brunch churro okay. at that point. <laughs> All right. That makes more sense. All right. Next, we're going to head over to Critter Country. What are we eating over there? All right. So this one's like on the border of Critter Country. Some people are going to say it's not really Critter Country. There's only one place in Critter Country outside of like the candy store. And it's the Country Bear Restaurant our hungry bear restaurant. I don't eat there. It's just your classic hamburgers. And sometimes they have like a specialty. It's, it's not where I like to eat, but there's a place right as you come on the outside, it's called the Harbor gallery. As you come out of uh, the haunted mansion, they've got lobster Mac and cheese inside of a sourdough bread bowl. That is absolutely incredible. They also have the lobster roll there as well. Again, incredible. Is it fresh lobster cut out of the river right behind it? Right out of the river. It is straight Southern California's finest lobsters. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, I'm, I don't like you talking about the Country Bear restaurant like that. Yeah, we went we, there almost every time we went to Disneyland. That is like the cheapest place that you can eat in the entire park, and that's where we would always go. It seriously there's is ton, there's a the ton. furthest away from... <clears throat> you have to pass by every other food place to get there there's nothing that i need that bad that i'm gonna go that far back to be like i want a cheeseburger well we used to do it because of the long wait they used to have to go through splash mountain pre fast pass so after waiting through that line you gotta get something to eat or beforehand there's a churro station right out front churro's not (laughs) holding you over for the classic (laughs) splash mountain lines that they used to be there that's true all right now we're out of critter country let's head over to frontier land where we Mm. Most people are going to want the Mexican restaurant. I'm not a Mexican food fan, so I will walk all the way around the river to go get the lobster mac and cheese while everybody eats at the Mexican restaurant. But from what I can tell, people love the Mexican restaurant. So if you were going, I would recommend you check that place out. Um, Back in the day, what I really liked for a snack were the McDonald's french fries they used to sell there. Over by Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. (laughs) Right there. Used to walk by and be like, oh, the smell of the McDonald's. There's something about McDonald's French fries. They just have a smell. And you're like, I want that. And they were always hot and like fresh. All they made. It was just you walked up, said, I want one fries. And like it was one size fits all. They handed it to you. And you walk through the park with fresh McDonald's french fries. It was kind of just like the churro too. I don't know. Like they added an extra ingredient. But they just always seemed to taste better in Disneyland. They were fresh. It's probably the excess sodium that is more than the turkey leg sodium. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That makes a lot more sense. All right. How about New Orleans Square? I know that your little lobster place is pretty close to New Orleans Square, but there's different things there too. They do have bread bowls over there, but it's more with like chili and like jambalaya. There's a place called Cafe Orleans. We like to eat at because they have palm frites or garlic fries. Um, Sometimes they have like specialty things on their menu. Like there's like a Cajun salmon that I've gotten there, some chicken. Um, It's a nice little place to sit down. Uh, Dessert over in the back, the Mickey shaped beignets. Um, and they're using the the famous Cafe Du Monde from New Orleans um, dough mix. So they are pretty See, this authentic. This is where I like to eat. There's a lot of shade. You get the live Tons. band. Yes. 
there's a lot of seating. It seems like not as much. The Mexican restaurant has like a million seats, and they just turn people out. But New Orleans Square, that's a good place to eat. All right, now next on our list looks like we got Toontown with a question mark. You know, we're not sure if the pizza place is still open. That was the only food that I could really think about that used to be back there. There used to also be like maybe like a Slurpee place that I can kind of think there about. Seven Eleven. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sounds like there is not it. food back there. If you're back in Toontown and you're hungry, turn around, go get the pretzel outside of the theater right before you come in. Um, there is no food back there. Now that may change. They got a new ride coming in a couple years back there. Maybe they add some food back there too. I haven't heard of that. Um, but yeah, if you're hungry, Toontown's not where you want to end up. All right, how about Main Street? Now there's a lot of there's stuff lot, going on at Main there's Street. There's a handful of stuff on Main Street, but if you want the best like sit down meal, it has to be the Plaza Inn where you can get the fried chicken. It's like a three piece fried chicken comes with two sides and like a biscuit or something get your drink sit down and it is a lot of food you can share well i know who i'm with but most people can share the fried chicken between two adults you guys maybe you should get your own (laughs) uh and then across the way there if you want something a little bit lighter not fried uh they got a grilled cheese sandwich across the way at the jolly holiday holiday bakery um that comes with like a little bit of tomato basil soup um so during the winter that is a a uh, popular stop in spot for us and then to finish it all off main street also has the ice cream parlor and there is nothing better than the uh the ice cream while you're waiting for like the night parade or the fireworks just jump in there mobile order your ice cream skip the line and uh get yourself some ice cream I love it. Now, I've heard Blue Bayou, the restaurant that you see in Pirates of the Caribbean, we have never, ever been there, and I've been to Disneyland a lot of times. I know you have because it's a thing in Disneyland. Is it worth the price, and is it worth the wait? Because it seems like you have to book it, like, right when you get there or, like, days ahead of time. 60 days in advance, they let you book it. So tip for anybody listening, want to go to Disneyland, book your reservations ahead of time. I've maybe eaten there twice in my entire life it is not on our top 15 places that we would ever sit down to have dinner it is overpriced it's pretty basic food and it's not worth the wait oh cool there's the ambiance of the ride going by so we can wave at a bunch of people we'll never see again but um not on the list of places that i would like to go to eat i'd rather a lot of other places i'd go you want to check it out one time? I guess everybody has to, but I would not recommend it. Yeah, I mean, I've walked by a few times and saw the food, and it didn't seem like anything to write home about. But again, it's one of those things you just got to check off the old bucket list. Just do it once just to do it. All right, speaking of bucket lists, there's one place that we haven't talked about. It's kind of in New Orleans Square, right? Mm-hmm. Club 33. Now, most people don't get together. It's like their super secret It's like a country club for Disneyland. Uh, It's got a wait list. It's got like a yearly dues and a ton of rules and restrictions. I have been lucky enough and fortunate enough to know a couple members in my uh, lifetime that have extended the offer to get us in there both for just drinks and to have a nice meal. Um, I love going there to eat it is a it is a bucket list for most people so i don't 
ever take it for granted that I get to go there. Um, so usually special occasions we may ask, um, but it is like a high end sit down. It's the only place up until the new galaxy's edge that you could get a drink. Um, they do have a full bar and a full wine list. Um, they remodeled it a handful of years ago, so it is a little bit different than the original one. But if you ever know somebody that can thank them a lot, if they get you in and then, um, take advantage of, uh, take advantage of doing something that is on most people's, uh, bucket list. All right, so we're walking into Disneyland right now, this moment. Where are you going to eat, and what are you getting? The parks are closed for coronavirus. We can't go anywhere. I'm just saying right now, if we we'll could. We'll say it's Thursday. It was Thursday prior to. Uh, right away for dinner at Disneyland, probably going back and getting that lobster mac and cheese bread bowl. If I had to pick something like filling for dinner, that's where I'm going to go. All right. I'm on board with that. And a churro. Maybe a churro, churro and the lobster bread bowl. Probably if we're going at like, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night, there may not be a churro until right before they close at midnight. Um, Cause it'd probably be lobster mac and cheese followed by the uh, ice cream on main street. Got I'm it. an ice cream nut. All right. Fair enough. Well, that was a pretty good breakdown of the food at Disneyland. Now we didn't even touch California Adventure, we might do that on a separate day, but... Downtown Disney. Best pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Alright, I think that's all we got for Food Court Files. We'll take a quick break and we will come back with Remember That Thing? Man, I'll tell you what, Zach. I'm absolutely exhausted. I'm too. I wish we had some fresh roasted coffee. When I get my fresh roasted coffee, I like to get it from Fruit of the Bean. I love Fruit of the Bean. It is fresh roasted right after you order. It's not sitting in some warehouse somewhere. Not only that, is they give a lot back to the community. Yeah, they give back by helping orphans and those affected by human trafficking. Those are two good things, helping others and getting coffee. Now, the other cool thing is if you use the promo code SPIVY, finally, we have my name as a promo code. You get 25% off your first order. That's big news. So go ahead. Go to Fruit of the Bean and get your coffee today. Hey, remember that thing? The moon landing. Jazz. Trapper keepers. Manners. Alf. Sunny D. Yeah, I remember those things. All right, this week for Remember That Thing, we let Vito pick what we're talking about this week, and he chose the movie Lion King. Now, that's a very good... Very good movie, Lion King. Vito, why did you pick Lion King? Why is this your favorite Disney movie? It's pretty much the first movie that I remember seeing as a child. And it was like right in that heart of the Disney revival. Came out post Little Mermaid. Came out in that generation with like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, like all the classics. But this one, uh, great music, made a lot of money. Uh, lots of merchandise, and I. And Is this when you decided to dedicate your life to Disney? Shortly hereafter, yeah, I wanted to be Aladdin for like. I was like, yes, I can be a poor dude that can run and jump and steal things. That sounds awesome. But then I was like, you know what? Let's just be a king of the jungle. I've seen you run and jump, though. I don't think you're going to be doing very good at being Aladdin. No, that's why I went with be a lion. Just sit on top of the rock and. Have somebody hold me up in the sky. How is that a skill? I think 
being a lion it's a lot more realistic than you running and jumping exactly. and being a genie aladdin guy all right Trey, why don't you give us the history of lion king i can do that Lion King was released June 24th, 1994. I was six. You guys were eight. Vito was anywhere from eight to 11. Um, the budget was $45 million. And worldwide, it made $968 million. That's just a little bit more than their budget. Um, the runtime of this movie was 88 minutes. Which I is love any movie under 90 minutes. That's a perfect amount. And they told a lot of story in 88 minutes. It's 88 minutes, including credits. Yeah. I, I mean, get in, get out. That's no need for some three and a half hour avatar. 88 minute movie. And it took them over three years to make it. That's crazy. Crazy. That took that long. All right, Zach. Um, do you remember seeing it in the theater? So this is the second movie that I remember seeing in the theater. First one being Aladdin, which came out two years earlier. We saw it at the Dollar Theaters. That's about all I remember. I remember really liking that movie, coming out of the theater and eating popcorn shucker. It was food-related. Number two was Lion King, though. Uh, when we saw it, everyone in the world was also seeing it, and I think like 80% of the theaters were playing Lion King. They were like staggered pretty quickly. And we had to park across the street. We saw it at the Cynodome, which is what it was called then, the theater on Greenback. And we parked across the street in a parking lot, which is now a Quiznos. That's how long ago that we saw this movie. Yeah, but back then, some people may remember where you actually had to get to movies early so you could get a seat. It was none of this reserved seating show up five seconds before the movie starts. My seat's still going to be there and it'll recline. No, you had to be there an hour and a half, probably earlier than the movie even started. It was like an all-day event. Yeah, and you had to wait in line just to get the tickets, like long lines, especially when the movie first came out. It's crazy. Yeah, definitely a good movie. All right, now let's talk about let's talk about the cast. Now this is like classic early '90s cast, the way that this was all put together. And that's kind of what I like about it. Uh, first is going to be Simba. We get two different voices for Simba because he grew up from a tiny cub to how old do we think he's like in his twenties? In cat years? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Twelve maybe. He, he just grew like hair. He grew. He grew a mane. That's how we know he aged. We needed a montage for that. We needed the montage yeah. to show the time passing. All right. So our young baby Simba, well, not well, I guess like kid Simba, is voiced by Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Is there anything more 90s than Jonathan Taylor Thomas being the voice? I think that's the definition of the 90s, to be honest with you, is JTT. Yeah. Tim the Toolman Taylor from Home Improvement. He was one of the three boys there. And he did he even have to audition, or they were just like, hey, we're doing a movie in the 90s. Hey, we need a kid voice. Oh, JTT. Perfect. That's a big step up from um, Steve from Full House being the voice of Aladdin. <laughs> Is this the first Disney movie where we have like super celebrities doing the voices? I think it has to be, right? I'm a Disney nut, so all of the voices are big celebrities for me, so... But this may be... They're celebrities to you. I mean, like actual people. Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, And then as Simba ages, it turns into the voice of Matthew Broderick. Which I didn't realize till really late in life, because IMDb didn't exist for like 15 years after this movie came out. And I remember watching, I was like, I know that voice. I had, I had to watch the movie through the end to watch the credits. It's Ferris Bueller. 
exactly who it is. Ferris Bueller. Telling Scar how it really is. Now, I would say Simba is my favorite character in this film. I know that you got some funny ones, but I think his character just really ties, obviously, the whole movie together. Going with one a little bit later on this list. For your favorite. For my favorite. Simba goes through a lot in 88 minutes. He does. I mean, he goes through tragedy. He goes through just growing up as a human. He hangs out with Timon and Simba. Pumba. Pumba. Sorry. Simba on the mind. (laughs) (laughs) No, definitely a good character. He's got some good funny moments. He's got some learning moments. And then he's got the crazy vengeance. And then crazy not vengeance at the end. He wins by like a technicality. He doesn't actually win the fight at the end. He like knocks him off the ledge and he doesn't really die. He just eventually gets eaten by the hyenas. But spoiler alert. He's no longer a threat though. That's the whole point of him coming back. As everyone knows that Scar's the bad guy. Yeah. And no one's on his side. He's no longer a threat. Like Mufasa kept Scar around. Mufasa. Mufasa. (laughs) All right. Now tell us, Zach, who played Scar? Scar is voiced by Jeremy Irons. Very good classic actor. Perfect casting. Also the bad guy from Die Hard with a Vengeance, one of my favorite movies. He does so good in this movie. He, he does a lot with his character. Now, Scar is one of my favorite villains, not just from an animated movie, from any movie, really. Not that he's, he's not like an overpowering villain, but he's like a Kevin Spacey in House of Cards, like, hey, Simba, I bet you can't go to the hyena land because you're a little wuss. And he's just like behind the scenes undermining Mufasa. He like doesn't go to the thing at the beginning of the movie where they introduce Simba and like the whole rest of the savannas there. Scar's like, eh, I'm not going to go. I'm going to take a nap. What are you going to do? Now our next character is Mufasa played by James Earl Jones. He's not in there very long. No, he is not. <laughs> he has a. He comes back as like a ghost later in the movie again. He Obi Wan's in at the end. Yeah, and they actually bring him back in the live action one that we just had. They were like, "You did such a good job at this once. We'll let you do it again." It wasn't Jonathan Taylor Thomas again. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Dang it! But Mufasa's like the. He's like a. I would aspire to be as good of a dad as Mufasa is in this. Yeah, I feel like if our sons or your daughter was in a stampede, I feel like you and I would run down there and save our kids. And we absolutely would not make it back up the hill at the end. We wouldn't need Scar to throw us off. We would have slid back on our own. Yeah, we're like, we're good. (laughs) We had a good run. Hopefully it We did our job. (laughs) See you when you're grown up. All right, uh, next one. So we just, the cast here is pretty much the notable actor characters. There's quite a a bit more characters. So the next one is going to be Timon, played by Nathan Lane. Every time I see this, I think it's Billy Crystal. Until I look at the credits, like, oh, no, but that's Nathan Lane. Is it just me? I thought it was Billy Crystal. I thought it was Nathan Lane. (laughs) (laughs) 
They're like the same. Again, it's, the it's voices quintessential nineties casting. It's it's right. perfect. They're, they're one and the same though. Yeah, he was Nathan Lane was originally supposed to be one of the voices of the hyenas. And then they tested so well, they're like, why don't we just create new characters for them? And now we have Timon and Pumbaa. Next character is Zazu, not a very major character in the movie. You wouldn't really guess but by the voice, but it's played by Rowan Atkinson. Mr. Bean is the voice of Zazu. Zazu, it could be argued, is the most important character in the movie. He's at all of the key events and sees everything and then somehow can't put all the puzzle pieces together about what really happened to Mufasa. It's like he's got a tiny bird brain or something. Well, that's because he's a bird. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Troy. And You're I want welcome. to know how he gets captured and put in the little like rib cage, like cage. He could easily squeeze out of the cage. He's just not very smart for it's being true. for being a king's right hand man or bird. He's, he's not the smartest. We'll come back to Zazu. I've got some questions about Zazu later on, and then the hyenas. Now this is pretty. Whoopi Goldberg and Cheech. That's an interesting combo of people to be voices of the hyenas. I would love to be at like these after parties with all these guys. I think that'd be a fun cast. I mean, they're just sitting around talking. Now, it was supposed to be Cheech and Chong. I think Ed was supposed to be voiced by Tommy Chong. And apparently Tommy Chong is doing something else and wasn't available. What is Tommy Chong doing in 1993 that he couldn't be the voice of Ed, who has like four lines. Didn't one of them go to jail or something? That could be why. That's a very good reason. That seems maybe he was put in a rib cage thing. He just couldn't, <laughs> he get, couldn't out. get out. Couldn't figure it out. That's my <laughs> guess. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our favorite scenes. Um, we're going to start with the opening scene, which is it's actually the only time that Disney has ever used a scene. For their trailer. They used the entire scene for the trailer for Lion King. It is so well hand-drawn. This is back before we had all the technology to do it. This is hand-drawn animation at its finest. The colors, the music, all the animals. Well, they were bringing the illustrators to like zoos so that they could properly draw all of these animals and the way that they move and all that stuff, which is crazy. If you look at the list of animators it's a very 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 long list and very boring part of the credits at the end well that's what you're saying 88 minute long movie but like 10 minutes of them are just the people doing the animation at the end and little trivia side note this was actually the b team that was making this movie because the a team was making pocahontas yeah disney was sure that pocahontas was going to be the big movie and spoiler it was not um the other thing about this is the, it was supposed to be a much shorter scene until they heard the song written by Hans Zimmer, who scored the movie, um, which you don't really notice it's Hans Zimmer until the big, at the end of it, at the end of the song. That's how you know that's Hans Zimmer. But they listened to the song and then they redid the whole scene and made them animate it and make it longer. They're like, yep, this is going to be the beginning of the movie. You guys figure it out. Crazy. That's wild. I love that scene, though. Very good scene. You get all the animals. You get no dialogue in this whole opening scene, and you know everything that's going on. Okay, we're in the savannah. 
These are all the animals. These guys are obviously running things. This monkey's involved somehow. They're holding up this kid, and everyone's bowing down. This has got to be important. That part's like, there's a monkey? (laughs) All right, the monkey. I was waiting to get the the monkey is hands down one of my favorite characters in the movie. One, later in the movie, he ends up having like super ninja skills with his staff. And then at one point when he's teaching a lesson to Simba, he whacks him upside the head and then says, it doesn't matter. It was in the past. He is hilarious. And he can also, he knows what's going on just by the smell of like the leaves that go flying past him. Well, I think it's because this was based on a true story. True story. Mm-hmm. Yep. They followed all these animals around. They just saw it. It's like a National Geographic movie. All right, we're going to kind of jump around for our next favorite scene. My favorite scene in the movie is the Simba Scar fight at the end. Good fight, for sure. You finally get the hero and the villain fighting each other. The, the actual fight itself isn't that memorable, but the animation is amazing. Oh, They've the got scene the fire going around. Scar when he jumps back through the fire like with his you arms see the out sc- in front of him and stuff. Yeah. Again, the animation quality of this movie and the, and the color uh, is is top notch for a, for a quote B team animation uh, they they really knocked it out of the park it's basically like Keanu Reeves and the replacements yeah just so exactly just like, that. Yeah, like uh-huh, that just like I that i just wanted everyone to know like kind of what we're talking about so you're welcome oh. i don't know what that is do anything Troy. <laughs> All right, um, we'll skip past that next part on our list. Um, let's talk about Timon and Pumbaa. A couple of really good scenes there. I really like the one where Timon and Pumbaa are Simba. They're laying under the stars, and they're talking about what they think they are. They're the kings of the past. Or as Pumbaa likes to say, they're just big balls of gas. Yeah, Pumbaa just nails exactly what it is, and they just make fun of him because he said the word gas. <laughs> I love I, it. I think that's like... One of the ten words in his vocabulary, though. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like the one where they basically come as backup for Simba for the fight at the end. And they just do, like, they're on distraction duty. <laughs> oh, well, Timon dresses up and uh, dresses in drag and does the hula. Yeah. That's what you want for your sidekicks when you're going into a brawl. He straight up rides him like a bowling ball. And that's actually how Zazu gets out of the ribcage jail cell when he smashes through it. Well, they get mad because they call, they call him, him a pig. They call him a pig. Yeah, and then he says, well, that's, that's Mr. Pig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Pumba. All right. Now we're going to talk about these songs because this is basically a musical. There are so many songs in this movie. They did just happen to get Elton John to participate in this movie. Too. They had Elton John and Hans Zimmer making the movie. And Tim Rice, yeah, who did the music for, well, pretty much every other Disney movie that yeah. you could think of with Alan Menken. Like, I, I've listened to stories of, of Alan, and he tells this great story how he's done the music to all these movies with his friend Tim Rice. And, like, you get to the spot where, like, you know Lion King is the next movie that's coming into the thing, and... Like somehow they just left him out of the m- music process for this movie. And then they're like, oh, they got some guy named Elton John to come on. And you're like, ah, okay, maybe that's okay. Yeah, my, definitely my favorite song is Just Can't Wait to Be King. 
That's a good one. It's early in the movie. Just as they're going where they're not supposed to. It's kind of setting the tone of the movie and setting you up for the giant heartbreak that comes shortly after that one. Yeah. I'm a be prepared. I don't think that there is a villain that has a better song in any Disney movie. Uh, again, animation, the green coloring, uh, but um, Jeremy Irons just absolutely knocks that one out of the park. What are the ones we got? Can you feel the love tonight? Now that's your classic. That's the one that won the Academy Award for best original song. Um, they went back and forth on that one. So the version that you hear in the movie is the first one that they did. There's 29 different people that have writing credits in this movie and they're all arguing about how it's supposed to go. They do 12 takes of the song because everyone has their input. Like at some point they want to, well, what if just Timon and Pumbaa sang this song? And Elton John's like, wait a minute, I sang it. <laughs> Why can't we just do that one? Well, Timon and Pumbaa actually get the like intro to the song and they right. cut that. That's actually a pretty funny little like tune at the beginning of the song talking about how their trios down to two uh, and Puma being very confused at what that meant. Now, I didn't know why I love that song so much until I found out the other day that Rick Astley is singing backup vocals on that song. And I was like, yep, there it is. That's why I love it. It's just so funny. Even in 1994, you're getting Rick rolled. I think that's <laughs> so good. <laughs> now, we talked about already for the opening scene, but Circle of Life, classic song, sets oh. the tone for the whole movie. Just that first that first note and... and uh... That, that first vocal that comes out and the sun rising up over the savannah, uh, you know, and the crazy for, nonsense for words in Swahili that nobody knows. I um, always say, I always sing it is Pennsylvania is a state in the East. <laughs> that's close. <laughs> I, that's gotta be the words, right? It's, that's just how I sing it. It's pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the song that I have down there, I was looking through all of the different songs and I saw it's a small world. And I had to think about it for a second. It's the song that Zazu sings to Scar when Scar tells him to sing a song while he's in the cage. And then he gets yelled at. And he throws something at him and said, not that one. I thought that was a good little jab at uh, Disneyland on that one. All right, any other scenes you guys can think of that you really like in that movie? The fight scene with um, the monkey and P Timon and Pumbaa we didn't really touch on. Rafiki did a really good job. Rafiki coming out and using his staff like it's a like he's a like, ninja turtle. Like he's a ninja turtle is great. The the scene where they're in the elephant graveyard and Simba is trying to roar at the beginning and then he like meows at the hyenas <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes to roar and Mufasa jumps out and lets out this just like echoing roar uh, is is really cool. Um, now you know the nice father son moment um, out in the grass when he's like Zazu take Nala home and then everybody's like whoa Simba's in for it now and then they gotta go walk and he steps in his dad's paw and so there's a lot of good scenes in the movie I just like everything about Lion King it's just I think it's so well written like it's we, 88 minutes they don't really have a bad scene in the movie now, with 88 minutes, if you're going to be that good of a movie, you can't have any downtime. Everything has to be part of the story, and I think they just wrap everything up 
beautifully with the bow. And they took 29 writers and made this. Normally when you have that many writings, you get like Justice League or some monstrosity like that. Or Spider-Man 3. All right, let's move on to our favorite quotes. Um, I got a list of ones here. Troy, why don't we start with your favorite that's on the list? I just like... Uh... They call me Mr. Pig, like we talked about earlier. I just Pumbaa, he's good. He's yeah. real good. Anything that Pumbaa says is good. I think most of the ones I wrote down is Pumbaa. I like the pre to. Did they just call him a pig? Did they just call me a pig? <laughs> it's just the Timon and Pumbaa back and forth, and he's like, "Oh, they should. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> should have uh, done that." He'd make a very handsome throw rug. Zazu's what, got some sass. Zazu gives a. He'd make a very handsome throw rug. Then. As some people may know, in Hercules later on, Phil ends up picking up a throw rug that looks exactly like Scar in that movie. Good little nod to Lion King. I like that. Um, I just like the speech that the Mufasa symbol on the hill, you touched on it already. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. And he's like explaining the circle of life and how everything works. And it's a good fatherly dead son moment i need one of those with lucas except our kingdom doesn't reach very far everything the light touches to the front steps of the house that's <laughs> ours all right we gotta mow this grass <laughs> all right what, what do we get what do we got for quotes oh i like the sarabi's quote the before sunrise he's your son quote that really <laughs> That really didn't mean anything to me as a kid, but now that I'm a father, it makes... I'm pretty sure Heather's probably said that to me. Yeah, she probably just quotes that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard it tonight, actually. And the sun had just gone down. All right, and there's a bunch of quotes. We won't get too deep in those. We got a lot of trivia this week, and we kind of touched on some of them. We kind of fit in with what we were talking about. Um, Trey, you want to start us out with the first one? Yeah, the Wildebeest Stampede took three years to make and included CGI. It's like one of the first like early CGI. They had to like invent a technology to be able to get all these, that many Wildebeest running in unison at the same time where they could t keep track of them. They had to invent a new technology, which in order to do it, it took the length of the entire movie, which crazy. is crazy. Uh, you already said the quote, but... What do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula was improvised by Nathan Lane. And they're like, yeah, that's funny. We're going to draw that now, <laughs> which is funny. You don't really think about that in an animated movie where you're improvising. You're usually like reading your lines after it's almost done. But it seems like that's probably why it took three years. They just like keep making these changes. Like they hear the Hans Zimmer song. Yep. You're going to make that scene now. But I think that's why they had the cast that they had was to allow them to have the room to improvise and have fun i mean that's the the rumor about aladdin as well when you bring a when you bring in top comedic talent like a robin williams to a movie the majority of it you have to expect is actually going to be improvised well the robin williams you have to just listen to him talk and then you animate it afterwards there's no way you could just do what robin williams does so all right, I've heard a bunch of different things on what this story is and how it works and what stories it's based off of. I've it's heard Hamlet. It's a bunch of them. It's Hamlet. It's uh, Moses and Joseph in the Bible. There's like an old African tale it's based on. But 
my favorite thing is the pitch that they did to the movie when they were describing what it is. It's Bambi and Africa meets Hamlet. And I was like, all right, you nailed it. That's basically what this movie is. Yeah, a lot of parents die in these Disney movies. Well, if it's based on Hamlet, Scar has to kill the king and then Simba has to go away and then come back. Yeah, it's Hamlet. Yeah, it's Hamlet. The names in Swahili, Simba meant lion. Nala meant gift. Sarabi, the mom, meant mirage. Rafiki means friend. Pumba means foolish. See, that one I don't understand. Pumba means foolish. I think he was the smartest guy in the whole movie. That's fair. <laughs> all right, so Lion King is the best-selling home video of all time, which probably won't be beat because people don't buy movies anymore. Um, it's also the highest-grossing hand-drawn animated film of all time, which also will probably never be made because they don't even make those movies anymore. Simba's main was inspired by John Bon Jovi's hair. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> We're going to draw a lion. Let's make him look like Bon Jovi. I love that. All right. You know, let's, we got our crazy opening song here with Pennsylvania. Tell us what that song means because it just sounds like gibberish to me. All right. So the rumor is that it stands for Here Comes a Lion Father. Oh, yes, it's a lion. Here comes a lion father. Oh, yes, it's a lion. A lion we're going to conquer. A lion, a lion, and a leopard came to this open place. That's a lot deeper than the words we don't understand. I'd go with just, I like the original. Can you imagine <laughs> writing, singing that out loud? Oh, my gosh. That wouldn't have won anything. Nothing. There wait some good casting what ifs for this movie. Tim Curry, James Caan, Robert Duvall, and Ray Liotta were all considered for Scar. James Caan would have been a good. And I, I, Joe Pesci was offered Timon. It's like they took all the gangster movies and they're like, let's make these guys animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to look back on something when you know everyone I, who played the characters nails it. I think Tim Curry could have done better than Jeremy Irons. I think that would have been pretty good. He could sing. He, yeah. He, he could sing. Uh, the voices of Mufasa and Sarabi, the mom and dad. This is not the first time that they actually played a king and queen. They were actually the parents in Coming to America. That's, I mean, it's so funny, all these little tidbits when you look through a movie like this and just dissect it. That's just pretty funny i don't know if they planned that perfectly or it just kind of happened it just kind of happens i think uh the last uh, one that we have on there the last one on there is uh for troy there buddy pumba is the first disney character to fart and if you watch those weird like lion king one and a half movies the reason that all the animals bow down during that opening scene is because pumba bends down to fart and all the other ones start bending down because of him <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that. <laughs> All right. So we wa I watched the movie the other night. I've been thinking about it while I'm driving around. I've got some questions. We'll have an open discussion about the movie. What if Mufasa just holds on for another 15 seconds? I know it's just the movie and it's only 88 minutes long, so it doesn't seem like it. But like the stampede's over. If he just holds on for like 
15 more seconds. Maybe he doesn't climb all the way up. The movie just changes completely, right? Well, I think what it is is this scar is going to find another way to go after him and have him killed. So, I mean, it just would be a longer movie and be another attempt for Scar to become the king. It could be. You think he knows he's trying to kill him at that point, though? Well, I mean, he let him fall. I don't know. That's what I was thinking about. Because it's like by the time he falls, like, oh, that was the end of the stampede. I guess he could have just hold on a little bit longer. Yeah, it's like the last one got him. No, it's not the last one because the last one's the one that's like running zigzags. He like randomly comes through. So it definitely wasn't that one that got him. That's my favorite one. All right. Now, what Jeremy Irons or Scar is singing, Be Prepared, it seems like there's a lot of hyenas there. Now, the scene was based off of a speech that Hitler gave with the marching troops, but it seems like there's hundreds of hyenas. Could could Scar just not like do like a military coup with these hyenas and just take over? There's like 12 lions. Essentially, that's what he does after he kills Mufasa, but I don't understand. Like, he's just not man enough to like come up and be like, hey, we're taking over. There's a lot of hyenas dancing around and they seem to be well organized i'm pretty sure if he wanted to he could have just skipped the whole stampede thing and just came on in and took over do they think like mufasa is going to organize like a rhino squad to take over i mean the ground mold does come and give him the morning report every morning so i don't know maybe he does have that kind of power with the other other animals but then again like the next question the drought comes in and then there's just not enough food to go around for all his hyena military. Now, would there have been a drought if Mufasa was the king? Because there's no way that they changed the climate of the savannah that quickly. Just by eating too many antelopes. There would have been a drought for Mufasa where they've done the same thing and tried to overthrow Mufasa. I don't know. Am I, think, I getting too deep for you on Lion King talk? I think Mufasa would have found a way to make it all work. He would have like planted trees or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. Is Scar the best animated Disney villain? I think he's top four. We kind of talked about this off the pod, but. Who's, who's the top four? Explain it. All right. You, you got know? Maleficent. She's my favorite. Uh, she tells everybody the plan. She then executes said plan even with everybody knowing it. And she has the power to turn herself into a fire-breathing fire dragon, can surround the entire castle with a thorn bush. She's pretty much one of the most powerful villains there is. And for those non-Disney nerd buckets, can you tell everyone what movie that is? Sleeping Beauty. Okay, not everyone probably knows. Uh-huh. <laughs> and and she gets played by Angelina Jolie. I mean, come on. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of my favorite villains, well, not my favorite, but Cruella DeVille, that is such a good villain. Well, like Zach said, how do you not hate somebody that her only goal is to kill puppies? Not yeah. just kill them. And then turn them into a coat, actually. Not just kill them. <laughs> murder them and then steal their skin and make a jacket that's her motivation that's all the character is that's got to be the most evil villain it's just a lot of dogs to take care of though 101 well she's just trying to kill them 
She was doing a job, you know, keeping 101 dogs And her last alive. name, her last name is Devil. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. Now, Scar's up there. Now, the only other one that I can think that can rival it is Ursula. Yeah, we added down to Ursula or Jafar. I mean, Jafar does oh, turn, we in, forgot about Jafar. Does turn into a, an all-powerful genie. He now, just, do we agree on what the best villain is? Because most no. powerful, it's got to be Ursula or Mulsifant. Well, I guess Genie Jafar would probably win. Yeah. It's a personal preference. And Ursula does have the power to steal your voice, turn herself into a human, then turn herself back into an octopus lady, and then turn into a major giant after she turns the king into a slug-looking thing. She's got some power. I think When I think of villain, I just think pure evil you just got to generate so much heat that everyone just roots for you to lose and i think Cruella Deville is that person i don't think you can top puppy murder and that's like the whole character there's nothing else to her that's it <laughs> yeah there's no like good qualities for Cruella <laughs> she just drives the big car she smokes she a, like, a cigarette she doesn't like donate to charity and then also you know <laughs> she murders puppies <laughs> so that would be my pick all right now this i was thinking about this is Akuna Matata and Bear Necessities the same thing? Just one's like from the Indian jungle and the other's from the African savanna. They're both about ignoring all of your responsibilities. Personally, I like Bear Necessities more. I know, probably not a popular opinion, but I do like Bear Necessities a little bit more. I think it's a better song. I, I don't agree, and I think Jungle Book's a better movie. That's the hot take for you. Ooh, hot take. <laughs> I don't know if I know enough people that would make that an unpopular opinion that's going to really debate Disney movies from the <laughs> early 90s. But if I did, I would say Bare Necessities is definitely a better song. And I'm going to agree with Zach. I think because Jungle Book is just so believable that I think that that movie is better than Lion King. Wow. I didn't think that was going <laughs> to I didn't think I was going to go that far. I was just saying one song is a little bit better, but uh, to each their own, I guess. I just like the similarities between Bare Necessities. They're both, they're not hunting. They're just eating grubs. They're just taking the easy way out and they're just hanging out all day. It's basically the same thing. Yeah, but one talks about being like, a, having like a prickly pear and, and talking That's about he lives pawpaws in it. and other things. Like, I mean, there's a lot more like quality songwriting and, in bare necessities, I think uh, Hakuna Matata. Plus, there's a montage built into Hakuna Matata. Like 30 seconds of the song is just instrumental while he grows up over a tree bush or branch. Bare necessities is a montage of him teaching Mowgli how to hunt for food. I love a good tree bush. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you guys. <laughs> All right, last question before we'll stop because we've been talking about Lion King forever. How did Zazu not know what's going on? Like, he's there. Zazu was in on it. He must He must he had be. to have been. But then he's in weird Zazu jail at the end. So he's not. And he hates Scar. He just That's all he talks about the first third of the movie. It's like Homeland or something. You know, like, he's, he's in on it. He just, he knew what was going on, but he had to, like, he sees he's so him was in deep. trouble. He says he's going to go get help. He sees Scar slap him into the wall. And then when he wakes up, I don't know what happened. Conveniently wakes up when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. 
It's one of those. So you're saying Zazu's an inside job? Yep. I think it's just one of those abusive relationship type things where he just can't leave. He just loves him so much, even though he hates him. He's secretly in love with Scar. Is that your take? Yep. yep. I mean, he's a bird. He could have just flew away. That's what I would have done. How come there's only one of Zazu's, like, kind? Yeah, there's all these hyenas and lions and antelope and elephants. In the opening scene, there's, like, hundreds of other birds that, like, go flying by. There's, like, one Zazu. What is he, a hornbill? Yeah. Because Simba doesn't need advice from him. You know where he lives. (laughs) (laughs) Tree bush. All right, I think that's all we got on Lion King. Um, We'll take a quick break, and we will come back with Sports Jog. Do you like the sweet taste of Mountain Dew? Do you like your vodka to be both inexpensive and flavored like melons? Then have we got a beverage for you. From the minds of the host of the wildly popular podcast that shares its name, we bring you the Spivey Special. One part Mountain Dew, three to four parts Burnett's Watermelon Vodka, 100% fun. Drink one at your next party or at 3 a.m. playing Halo 3. Please enjoy responsibly. Sports Jug with the Spivey Brothers. Cubs are good. Get the ball to big country. Generic soccer take. All right, that's enough. I'm out of breath. All right, this week for Sports Jog, we're talking about a gumball rally. Yeah, we try to think of other sports things that Vito would be able to talk about. And if you haven't heard earlier, he's not a very good runner or jumper. So I think this gumball rally is pretty much what we need to talk about. Now, Vito, tell the fans what a gumball rally actually is. All right. The gumball rally is hosted by a uh, blog mega site called micechat.com. And... uh, once a year, it's a bunch of Disney nerds get together and we try to see who can ride the most rides in one day through Disneyland. Every year's different, but this year it was Disneyland only and you had to ride as many rides as you could in a day. All right, so what are like the rules for this? Like, are certain rides worth more points or? Yeah, so every year is a little different. This year was usually they have a theme in the past, it's been. Alice in Wonderland or Pirates of the Caribbean. This year was celebrating the 60th anniversary of the submarines Matterhorn and the the monorail was this year. So in years past, it's been every ride is worth one point. And you, when you get there and you start, you get a game book. Um, some years it's been you get two game books and you can only get the second game book after you turn in the first game book. This year it was one game book. All rides that had fast pass abilities were worth one point. Any other ride that's in the game book was worth two. And then those three rides were worth three points this year. So they don't tell you the twist or tell you that until the morning of. And a lot of times they don't tell you that until you actually have your game book. So it makes strategy much, much harder because you can't be like, all right, this is going to be the game plan this year. Um, so you just kind of get in and wing it. Do you get like a hand stamp when you go on the ride? How do you prove that you actually right. went on the ride? Otherwise, if you're like, yep, I went on them all. Three minutes, new record. So, <laughs> so the game book has a question for whatever rides they want you or attractions that they want you to ride or shows they want you to see or whatever the case may be. 
and they can be sometimes they're harder than others, but it's usually something you have to do when you actually ride the attraction. It's not something that you're just going to be able to guess. Like one this year was out on Tom Sawyer's Island. You had to find out where the lanterns on Tom Sawyer's Island were made. Like, unless you are like the most extreme of extreme Disney nerds, you're like, Hey, I know what that answer is. Plus that's cheating. If you don't go out there and get it and see it, the answer is London, by the way. Uh, so you got to run back there, you see it, and you come back. Or when we were on the canoes or going around the rivers of America this year, it was what's the design? Draw the design that's on the horse. And so it's not something you can just guess most times. Um, so that's how they verify. And then for other attractions, um, they set up where you text in your picture of you on the ride, holding up your team number. Um, there's spotters around the park that are volunteers for the for the website um, to kind of. They take pictures, but they also make sure that you're still with your teammate. You got to be within like, you know, six or eight feet of your teammate. Not like one's running over here to get this fast pass. One's running over here to do that. One's going to the bathroom while one gets food. Like one person goes to the bathroom. You all get to hang out by the bathroom. Um, so a lot of strategy, a lot of fun, something that I look forward to every single year in doing. Um, plus, we have a lot of friends that we meet and we get to see once a year. Uh, down there and uh who are these people do you get invited to it do they no, like any... go through instagram oh that guy's got a mulan hat on let's get him there anybody can participate uh, you just when they announce tickets are on sale you jump online you can be you get to participate in a team of two three or four um most years the top five usually consists of a team of two because you can do single rider and um it's a little bit easier to only have two people trying to argue with each other throughout the day than it is three or four people. Um, usually the top teams, they we come prepared. <laughs> we come with snacks packed and a backpack and you come with water so you're not waiting in line to buy your churro that day or, uh, you know, and you try to minimize bathroom breaks around shows that you might see or whatever the case may be. Um, but like I said, you do meet a lot of fun people that we've met over the years. Um, and this year, uh, one of our friend groups actually won the whole entire thing. Now, do you get anything for winning? So last year, the top three people all got like some version of the trophy, a gumball machine trophy, but typically it is just first place gets a, uh, custom made designed around the theme gumball machine design trophy. Uh, that's what we all participate for. That's that's the goal. Um, top three places also get a gold, silver, and bronze medal. Past that, from tenth to fourth, gets a uh, a ribbon like uh, with your place on it. What's the best you've ever done? So this year we finally uh, cracked the top three and we finished in third place this year. Um, and it's funny we did seventh place a couple years prior. Um, I finished out of the top thirty as well. Um, it's just, uh, you never know how you're doing when you're actually in the middle of the race. You're like, oh man, this ride broke down or this raft this year set us back 45 minutes. You're like, that's it. We're never going to do well. That's it. We're not going to finish in the top. Like this is the end of the day, doom and gloom. And then you're talking to your other teams and no other team really wants to tell you how they're doing. Oh yeah, I think we're doing good. Uh, yeah, no, we're doing horrible. Then when the final results come out, you're like, hey, we finished in third, and we we're so happy for our, our friends 
uh, that finished uh, in first this year. Um, that was really cool. We had uh, just a great, great time this year. But uh, you always want to finish top 10. That's kind of the goal is just finishing top 10. But as you start working up the ranks, it's like, man, we finished in third this year. So there's – we're going to win it one of these years, but it is single-handedly – it takes so much luck outside of skill to, to win it. Um, yeah. That's the one thing I read on that blog site is luck is the number one thing in all the gumball rallies that they've ever done. <laughs> you can prepare all you want, but if you don't get that lucky bounce of the gumball, you're never going to win. I mean, the one ride closes like the, the part of the reason why we finished six points out of first was, we never got on the monorails this year. The submarines were only loading one side of the submarines. The monorail broke down in the middle of the day. And then we got trapped by a unsafe raft from Tom Sawyer's Island. That put us back about 45 minutes. Um, but again, that's just the kind of the, the way it goes sometimes. And also, the more experienced teams, we know how long each ride typically is we know what posted wait times actually mean like if it says that a ride's 45 minutes well chances are maybe it's only 30 minutes but you have to know that if you're going on small world or pirates you're looking at longer than about 15 minutes you know you're in that 15 minute range if you're going to ride it and um, you have to finish at seven o'clock and you have to turn your gaming book in on the outside of the park so wherever you're at, when you're trying to look at the clock and you're just like, okay, how many more can we actually get? How many more can we try to finish and still know that we have to run to the, to the finish line this year? My poor fiance had walking pneumonia and she struggle bust through this whole thing. She was such a trooper to get us in there, but she was so tired at the end. She didn't even come to the award ceremony afterwards. And the whole time she's like, I'm not running to the finish line. I'm not running to the finish line because the year prior, we had a dead sprint with a bunch of other teams to get to the finish line. Uh, and so any minute past seven o'clock, you're late, you lose a point up to a maximum of like 15 or 20 minutes. And so you don't want to lose points cause that that's not a recipe for success, but uh, she struggled. She made it through. She was such a trooper this year and, and to finish in third was, was great. So doing this, you probably, you've learned some, some skills how to get through Disneyland and do the most things all at once. So walk us through it. So first thing I want to know, what ride do I need to skip to maximize my time? What's a giant time waster that I need to try to avoid if I want to get as much done in one day as you can? Outside of a gumball rally. Like we're just going because Zach and I would never do anything physical on vacation <laughs> or non-vacation. So what ride are we skipping I am not a fan of the submarines. It's just not, I don't like being inside the actual submarine. I, um, and so you could probably skip that. It's a slow moving, slow loading. Uh, it's just a, an enormous time waster. There's no fast pass to it. Um, and then probably Autotopia as well. It's a, it does load relatively quickly, but it can be a longer line. And really, you're just driving a very slow go-kart with gas fumes hitting your face. I'd probably skip both of those. There's not a whole lot of rides that we, you know, skip per se throughout a day at, at Disneyland. We can, we, my fiance and I, we get through a lot of rides in, in a day. Obviously, it's always best to get there when the 
you know, quote, rope drop. You get there, you know, when the actual park is open. Uh, If you want to ride the new uh, Smuggler's Run ride, there's a process to that um, to make sure you get on that. But um, linking your tickets in the Disneyland app always helps. Um, I would highly suggest you purchase the Max Pass option. Yes, it's more money a day. Yes, it's already expensive to go to Disneyland. But the amount of attractions that you'll be able to see by using the Max Pass will um, add more value to your day. Now, for those of us who don't really go that much, what is a Max Pass? So a Max Pass is like your regular Fast Pass, which gives you a time to come back to the ride and ride it with a significantly less amount of time waiting in line. Um, Max Pass gives you the opportunity to book those reservations right from your phone. So you don't have to walk all the way to the attraction to get a return time. Um, also, it um, shortens the amount of time that you have to wait until you can get a new one. And as soon as you scan into the ride, you can then book your next one right away. So if you say you're like, oh, let's go get on Haunted Mansion and you scan. As soon as you hit that touch point and scan your ticket, you can book another one. Well, if you want to go ride Space Mountain, which is the complete other side of the park, hey, you can book that ride, attraction fast, fast, right from your phone. Allows you to maximize more time for the the attractions that you want to see. Um, You can also book both sides of the thing. So say you want to get even further apart and say you want to go, hey, we're riding Splash Mountain at 1 o'clock, but we want to ride, you know, you know, Mission Breakout or whatever, Guardians of the Galaxy over in California Adventure, you can book that Fast Pass at the same time. So you can, uh, the Disneyland app has, you know, mobile food ordering, so you don't have to wait in line for lines for food. Um, you can reserve your dining on the app. You can manage all your tickets and your Fast Passes. And with Max Pass, you also get Photo Pass which means any Disneyland cast member that takes your photo, they'll scan your little QR code and you get all those pictures for free for that day. Um, so if you have a family, yeah, it's worth it. You get the, you get the professional photos as well. Or if it's just you, you know, <laughs> that's one thing that I've never done is gone to Disneyland alone. Donald duck and Mickey's <laughs> always there with him. Always. <laughs> always. It is hard. <laughs> All right. Any other tips that we need? Like I always, I've never seen world of color because I don't do the fast pass. And you told us to do that last time we wanted to see Fantasmic, and you're like, yeah, we have to get a fast pass for that. I was like, that's dumb. Yeah. So but now it actually made a huge difference because we had a reserved seat right in the front. Yeah. So Fantasmic mm-hmm. is my favorite show. Um, I will see that over world of color. Uh, if I had to pick between the two world of color is a great show. Um, but yeah, just like I said, if you get the if you get the app, you get Max Pass. You can also get those Fast Passes with the reserved spots sections, if you will, uh, ahead of time in the morning. So again, you don't have to walk to Rivers of America to get your Phantasm. You don't have to walk all the way back to the to the um, water area in California Adventure to to get that Max Pass. Um, so then you and those don't count against you for your rides. So just get them as soon as you walk in the front door and or front turnstile and. Nope, I want to see the first Phantasm show or whatever the case may be. All right, Vito, what's your favorite ride at just Disneyland? Just Disneyland. I'd have to say I love Space Mountain, but 
I loved Space Mountain when it had the Hyper Space Mountain overlay to it. Um, when it was Star Wars themed, I thought that was a really good overlay. It gave something new to Space Mountain. Uh, and then the brand new ride, Smuggler's Run. It is the newest attraction in the park. Um, it is pretty much what every ad and commercial has been for to go down and check it out. It takes all the best uh, parts of all the best rides from around the around the world that I, I have seen and put them all into one ride. Um, and, and when working, it, it is executed pretty flawlessly. It is about, it takes about a half an hour to 40 minutes or so of your, of your time, but you're well immersed in the, uh, star Wars world, if you will. See, is, do you like the teacups the least or the submarine the least? Submarines, hands down. I won't spin the teacups, uh, you know, being 34 now, um, little equilibrium's about to go. Um, so we don't, I don't, uh, don't spin the teacup. I'm going to get a little sick earlier. You were 33. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> but you guys corrected me on that. So I, I am 34. So, uh, my memory is gone now too. So we posted three pictures of you with characters and I know that there's like 900 of these pictures. Yes. What's like your, what's your white whale? What's your Moby Dick? What's the hardest one to get a picture from? Okay. I did end up getting him last Halloween. Um, I did get Hades finally because he only comes out at Halloween. Um, and I don't believe he even came out this year with the new Halloween party, but a couple years ago I was able to finally, one year I waited and waited and waited and he never came back out. La then the year that it was raining and we almost left the Halloween party early, um, I did finally get to um, meet Hades. Uh, that was that was a that was a white whale there. Um, then this year I got to meet Chip and Dale from the uh, dressed up as the Rescue Rangers. That was a fun one. And uh, Baloo and uh, from uh, dressed up like from uh, Tailspin from the Disney Afternoons. That was a, a fun one this year as well. Um, and then I just like meeting the villains at the Halloween party because they don't come out all the time. Uh, those are, are some of my, my favorite ones. But Hades for the longest time was definitely my white whale I had to get. Is there any right now that's on your, you know, target to get in the future? Um, the new Onward movie that just came out, they are at the parks right now. Um, so the next time I go down, I will try to, uh, mark them off the list. Um, for a long time, it was trying to meet Mickey dressed up like sorcerer Mickey. Uh, that was a tough one. And then, um, also meeting Mickey dressed up like steamboat Willie, um, in the black and white was a tough one too, because that one you had to like meet him at his house in Toontown and then hope that that's the way that he was dressed up for the day. <laughs> so, like you'd wait sometimes and then get classic Mickey in tuxedo and you're like, oh, I just wanted to meet Steamboat. Isn't Mickey always black and white? His body is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but he wears a tuxedo with his red pants and the yellow buttons. Um, so it is fun when they switch up the the outfits, if you will, their, their costumes. Do you have a full autograph book too? I do not. I actually do not get the autographs. I get the pictures. If you could be a character at Disneyland, who would you be? 
I've always said that I would be the sorcerer Mickey at the end of Fantasmic that stands on top of the uh, the shed and like shoots the uh, the sparks out of his fingertips and then like makes the sparks go off off the roof and that would hands down be the uh, be the character that I would be um, and really one of the only jobs that I'd want maybe to be a plaid the VIP host at Disneyland too would be a would be a fun job but. Um, if I had to pick a character-based job, it would, it would definitely be that. Troy, who would you be? That's a tough one. I'd probably be Hades, so I'd only have to come out like once ever. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could just party all the time in the park. I think I'd want to be Baloo. I think you have that. You wouldn't even need a costume. Yeah. Maybe just the head. Just put on a snail and I'm ready to go. <laughs> a lot better than Lion King. All right, I think that's all we got for Sports Jog this week. I think we're going to wrap it up. Make sure to check out um, us on social media, um, at Spivey Special. Now, Anthony, you've got something that you're doing as well. Why don't you explain what that is? So my fiance said that I needed to uh, express my creativity more and have a blog. Um, I haven't updated it as much as I should, but allthingsdisney.com and at allthingsdisney on Instagram. The Spivey Special Boys have been uh, kind enough to tag me in that. Uh, So give it a follow. You can follow along our Disney adventures um, as we travel around the world and see the different parks and head down to Disneyland quite frequently. Now we're going to have another guest next week. We'll pimp it in the middle of this week. We're really excited about that one. We love our guest tonight, Anthony Vito. Thanks again for coming on. And Anthony, you're fat. Hey, Zach, you're fat. Hey, Troy, you're fat. Later. Later.